Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> Good to see everyone out today. It is a new day and the start to a new week. <clears throat> Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And today we are continuing our study of the book of Proverbs. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to <clears throat> open up to Proverbs and Proverbs, the third chapter, Proverbs chapter three. Uh, just for a, a quick review, or for those who are visiting with us who might not have been in this class for the past couple weeks, this, this quarter we are focusing on the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs. The first nine chapters. And as we have discussed, we are talking about wisdom. And not just any wisdom, we're talking about godly wisdom. Godly wisdom and how to attain it. And how to prize <clears throat> this wisdom of God and seek for it as for silver. And where do we find our delight? And the setting of chapters 1 through 9 of Proverbs is a father talking to his son. That's what this whole, this whole section is about. And it's a one-sided conversation of a father with his mother's teaching as well. Stressing to the child to understand the value, the incredible value of wisdom and to attain it by all means necessary. Last week we got into the first part of chapter 3. Again, my son, do not forget my teaching. We talked about the famous passage, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make straight your path. So if you remember, trust in the Lord and in his wisdom and his understanding and not trust in our own understanding or our own wisdom or the wisdom of anyone else. Trust in the Lord. And then practical ways of accomplishing this trust in the Lord. We talked about our outward actions on the external should reflect our internal desire for seeking the Lord's knowledge and should reflect our fear of the Lord that we have within our hearts. Verse 7, don't be wise in your own eyes. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of your produce. And then verse 11, don't despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. Okay, so practical advice over and over again throughout these first nine chapters. So that's what we're dealing with. We left off in this section last week, verse 13 to 18. Got about halfway through verse 13 through 18. Uh, from what I can understand, this is a self-contained poem. Verse 13 through 18, it begins with blessed and it ends with blessed. So the father, again, persuading the son to understand the value of wisdom. And we talked last week about the, the gain from her is better than gain from silver, her profit better than gold. So life is all about a return on investment. Whether it's your time or your money, that's what makes the world go around. And the father is saying here that there is no greater return on any investment than that of attaining wisdom and seeking wisdom. And in those 
verses there, what do you think is the key verse of that whole section, verse 13 through 18? What's the key verse to take away and remember? Excuse me? Okay, I heard somebody. Verse 13, okay. The tree of life. I would suggest verse 15. It's one to remember. She is more precious, speaking of wisdom, more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. And it bears repeating, nothing you desire can compare with her. That's a quite a claim. There's nothing in our lives that compares with wisdom. Long life is in her right hand, riches and honor in her left. And as the brother mentioned, tree of life to those who lay hold of her. And we're going to talk a lot more today about life and wisdom, the words of God and life. And that's a message that rings throughout the Bible. Uh, So we'll pick up in verse 19 here of Proverbs 3. And before we do, let's go to God in a word of prayer. Most holy and heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name. Lord, we are so thankful for the light of a new day. We are so thankful for the opportunity that each new day holds to strive to be more closely resemblant of Jesus and to strive to accomplish your will by whatever means we can on earth as it is in heaven, realizing that you have a plan and a purpose for us. We pray, Lord, that you would impart your wisdom to us as a body of your people. We pray that you would lead us and guide us through this life for your name's sake. We're so thankful for your Bible. We're so thankful for your teaching. We pray that you would be with us this morning and help us to focus our attention to understand and rightly discern your word and apply it to our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so verse 19 and 20 of Proverbs chapter 3 says, The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. In the context of this chapter, why do you think these verses are here? What's the point of placing these verses here? Contrast what God knows to what we know. Because He knows stuff that we will never understand. Yeah, absolutely. If, If the Lord can do all of this, He founded the earth, established the heavens. By knowledge, he created the oceans. Okay, if he can do all of that, just imagine of what he can do in your life. And we can trust and have confidence in his promises and in his wisdom. 
We talked about last week that trust in the Lord is not a blind trust or a blind faith, that God has proven himself throughout history, and that the promises of his counsel is not going to stop with us in our lives. And so the father continues in verse 21. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. So verse 21 through 26, what's, what's your observation there? What's the father trying to say? Benefits of wisdom. What what are some of the benefits of wisdom? Sleep. Yes. Peace. And we've talked about so many times. It seems like in these first three chapters already. Inward peace. This protection that is promised by the counsel of God's wisdom is not just an external protection. It comes into our hearts. We read that. Back in chapter 2, it will come into our hearts. So guarding our hearts, and we'll talk more about that in chapter 4 as well, but an inward peace. We'll be able to lie down and sleep. And we won't stumble, meaning... Meaning that you stumble and fall out of Okay. Making bad decisions, that's what the, this entire nine chapters is about. There's a fork in the road. Yes, sir. You know, fear of death, fear of what can be done to you is, when I think about the passage of neither height nor death and powers or anything can take the love of God away from you, that what you get from wisdom, what God gives you as or as one. And, and so you don't have to fear that there's something on the other side where people that don't have wisdom, that it says uh, they're chased by their fears. Right. The Lord wants to bless us with peace. Uh, if you think of Psalm 23, He makes me lie down in pastor's green okay we will want for nothing philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving let your request be made known to god so our trust and confidence in the counsel and wisdom of god there's freedom there's deliverance from the anxieties of life and What's the warning of not attaining that wisdom? <clears throat> a 
There's a trap that's being laid. And what's, what's the message there? Basically, it seems that the point would be that it's a trap to fall prey to anxiety. And it will rob you of that peace and rob you of that freedom. <clears throat> Verse 26, For the Lord will be your confidence and keep your foot from being caught. What, what does that mean? What does it mean that the Lord is your confidence? What's that? He's got your back. He's got your back. Okay. Yeah, we, we can walk sure-footed. Okay, keeping our feet from being caught. This is, we're not afraid of walking off a cliff because we can, we're grounded in the Lord and in His counsel and His wisdom. It's the idea that you are putting your trust in the wisdom of God knowing that Even though there's many that try to lead you away from that to something else, you have confidence to know you've got what you need. Great point. Great point. I think we see the Abraham confidence too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Abraham's. Absolutely. Yeah, it a, it's a proving of, of the faith that he had, absolutely, and we are to live out our trust in the Lord. That's, uh, you know, back in verse 5 of chapter 3, trust in the Lord. Um, let's see, verse 3, bind them around your necks. So this is something that should be practiced outside of our, um, practiced in the sight of all men, basically, and demonstrate our faith. Okay, so continuing on, uh, verse 27, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, Go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Okay, what's, what's being asked of us? What's our responsibility? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Um, the Lord has blessed us richly and realizing that it was a gift. You know, earlier in this chapter, honor the Lord of the first fruits of your produce. And this acknowledging that what He has blessed us with is not ours, that it's His and that we are to be a reflection of His glory. We're to be ambassadors for Christ. Um, great point. Don't say, go and come again tomorrow, I will give it. What's, what's maybe a, a warning there or something to take into consideration? Tomorrow, I will give it. 
to me. Okay. Why would you? Why would you not just get it if you had it with you? Why would you not just get it to come tomorrow? Okay. Well, why? You're very generous. <laughs> <laughs> You've got. You're very generous. She's. <laughs> Yeah, too busy. Too busy, stingy, um, not wanting to give of our time or our resources. Um, yes, sir. It's a way to, to demonstrate the power. That's what it's it doesn't matter. You can do it right now, but I'm not going to because I've got the power. So I'm sort of in a place that like that sense. Yeah. Like, and then he gets into the world after this about don't do this, don't follow this, don't envy this. And it's... He's just explaining why we should trust him. And yeah. the really cool thing about those preceding verses and the sections is he never got, says, do this and just trust me and I'm not going to give you He gives an explanation as much as we can understand <clears throat> why he's telling us to do not do certain things. And since 19 and 20, even today, many three thousand years later from a scientific standpoint we know more than we've ever known but we also know more than we've ever known about how much in two verses he says i created the world i created the universe through wisdom so i have a so yeah. just trust me because i know how all of this works mm -hmm. and if you will challenge um, and we've seen many challenges presented and, and this is certainly one um, and I would suggest tomorrow I will give it you know we mentioned James 4 last week um, a lot of parallels between James and Proverbs um, but James 4 don't boast about tomorrow okay because you don't know what tomorrow will bring okay so again here tomorrow I will give it will you may not have it tomorrow to give. You may not be alive tomorrow. Um, so not, don't take it for granted. It wasn't yours to begin with. And, and just focus on today. And, you know, there, there could be an implication here also of um, evangelism. 
Um, this could be a, a teaching tool. If someone needs help spiritually from us, we need to give them help, okay? And we need to give them help today because there may not be a tomorrow. There may not be a tonight. Uh, there's a quote that I read somewhere a while back, and I couldn't find it, but it was, um, it was basically saying that open doors require today the same things they always have, and that's that they, the open doors require somebody to walk through those open doors. Okay, so we can pray for open doors, but when they present themselves, we've got to accept our responsibility and to, to bless others because God has blessed us. Does that make sense? Okay, verse 28. <clears throat> Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Verse 29. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. What are your takeaways from that? What's your thoughts on that? Okay. Talking about revenge. <coughs> Vengeance is mine. Um, it's easy to take advantage of somebody who you know all their ins and outs and you know everything about them. And then to take advantage of that trust is just, it's just so evil. Yeah, there is a, it's just premeditated. You're planning evil against your neighbor. As far as protection goes, you know, the father is stressing to the son this protection of wisdom and protection in this life and in the life to come. What about, what is it about your neighbor and safety? If you want your child to dwell peaceably by all means with their, with their neighbors, what, what's the connection there between our neighbor and protection? And just a very basic kind of practical way. They're, they're, they're close. They know what's going on. And they can see and watch out for you. Yeah, so safety. Okay, your next door neighbors, uh, Proverbs 27 verse 10 says that better is a neighbor nearby than a brother who's far away. Okay, so this is practical advice. Don't plan evil against them because they could come to your aid in a very real way when you need it. And they could be expecting the same from you, and they should. They're dwelling trustingly beside you, so don't, don't plan evil against your neighbor. And as Brother Wayne mentioned, who is our neighbor? Well, uh, exactly. You know, our neighbor is all of mankind, anyone we, we come in contact with. Um, Romans chapter 13, um, verse 9, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Okay, so all of the law 
summed up in the word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So a strong, strong message echoed from Leviticus chapter 19. Verse 30, do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. What do you think that means? Do not contend with a man for no reason he's done you no harm. Maybe, maybe straightforward. Sounds like it's describing the fool. Describing the fool. Yeah, absolutely. We talk about Proverbs meaning a comparison. And we're constantly comparing the path of wisdom and the path of a fool, a wise man and a fool. So don't envy, or excuse me, don't contend with a man for no reason when he's done you no harm. And verse 31, do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. Why would we envy a man of violence? Or why would the father think the son might want to choose his ways? Absolutely, yeah. It's... And they always get their way. They mm -hmm. always get their way without, you know, because they've already proven themselves if you go against them, they'll be violent. Right. You know, going back to chapter one and the enticement of sin and the enticement of sinners. And on the surface, especially to, to a younger person, although it could be an older person as well, but on the surface, sin seems pleasurable and people seem successful who are sinful and uh, but it's that's a very shallow short-sighted way of looking at things and the father stressing to the son here have the wisdom have the prudence to know where that path is going to lead and we've talked about that over and over again have the wisdom to choose the path of wisdom realizing the ultimate goal and where our ultimate prize is versus the path of the fool. And knowing by observation from other people, other wise people, where that path is going to lead. You don't have to guess. You don't have to wonder. It is going to lead to destruction. Four, verse 32, the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. So this contrasting back and forth between the, the fool and the wise um, <clears throat> does anybody have a different version in verse 32? Um, the ESV reads, For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. Does anybody have a different version for the upright or in his confidence? But he's a friend of the upright. What version is that? Holman. Holman. Yeah, that, that seems to be a little closer to the... The Hebrew, from what I could gather, the King James says his secret is with the righteous. So there seems to be this closeness, this intimacy, this counsel that, is, that God is offering to those who are wise that 
is not available to the fool. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners, he is scornful. And maybe the, the warning there that if you are envious of someone who is scornful, if you're looking at them too much, the warning may be that eventually you will end up scorning others as well. So look, if you're going to be a scorner, which what, what does a scorner do? What does that mean? Call it critic. Critic. Mm-hmm. It's critical of somebody, but it's looking down on them mm-hmm. because you consider them to be a lesser of lesser value. It's, we don't use the word scorn, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a very harsh word. It's a harsh word, and, and we've talked about scorn a lot um, in these first three chapters already. Uh, scoffers. You know, the same kind of idea. Uh, scoffers and their scoffing. Uh, scorners, the Lord will be scornful. Okay, so scorners are using language. They're using words to ridicule, or as Brother Wayne said, this derision. Uh, much harm comes from words. And we're going to talk, a, Proverbs talks a lot about the power of words, as does the Bible, but uh, we're going to get into, hopefully, chapter 4, talking a lot more about the power of words and what that does to our path of wisdom or folly. I think we see it today in people that bring problems upon themselves. And I'm thinking drugs, sexual stupidity, you know, things that you expose yourself to. And then it ruins your life. You know, I think scorn is, I'm not going to say anything to those people because they're not worth it. Maybe it's not words, it's attitude. Where you, you use two words. One was scorn and the other one was, what was that other word that you used? Scoff. Scoff. You know, scoff is, uh, it's just, you know, there's a difference between that's just stupid and mm-hmm. they deserve what they got. Right. That's that to me is a big and it and it's it doesn't have to be verbal. It's just you don't consider them worthy of a approach. Yes, ma'am. Christian standard here uses the word mock. And right. I think that's kind of the idea you can make fun of. Right. Put it on, make fun of mockers. Yeah, so be careful with your words, okay? <laughs> the wise will inherit honor, fools get disgrace. So the wise have an inheritance of honor, but fools have a legacy of disgrace. Okay, so just a contrast back and forth there as we continue to see the path of wisdom and the path of folly. Chapter 4 says, Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. 
Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. And do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. What are your observations there in those first nine verses of chapter four? To me, it's different in the fact that now he's saying, son, listen to me, because this is what I learned from my father. So now I'm teaching you. It's a beautiful picture. And what's the message there for us? To listen. To listen and to to have these conversations with our children and and with those around us who we are of influence to. Um, You know, we've talked about seeing ourselves as the parent in in these first nine chapters and realizing the obligation that we have to to give instruction and to give wise counsel there's a a very serious responsibility there and then also we talked about you know it's maybe instructive to be able to see ourselves as the child as well because we all have a fork in the road before us every day we all have decisions that we're making every day and constantly needing to reassess and reevaluate where we are on our path of either wisdom or folly. <clears throat> so again, I give you good precepts. This is good what I'm teaching you. Don't forsake, don't forsake my teaching. Okay, we've seen that over and over again. Keep my commandments and live. Okay, so this is very strong language. Keep commandments and live. Okay, there is life in these words. This is not just something, wisdom isn't something that would just be nice to have, something auxiliary to maybe try to get down the road. This is vitally important. This is the most serious thing that you could ever talk about. This is life and death, and the decision is before you every day. Verse 5, get wisdom and get insight. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Verse 7, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, whatever you get, insight. Okay, so here you have Solomon writing this, who is the wealthiest, richest man who had maybe ever lived in the history of time. And what is he saying? What's his advice here in chapter 4? To get wisdom. It's really straightforward. You know, he's not saying, hey, go out and, you know, make a bunch of money or go out and acquire a lot of things. He's saying, if you're going to do anything, get wisdom and get insight, okay? Again, this urgency. There's an urgency to this call. If you remember back in chapter 1 and the call of Lady Wisdom, there was urgency there. An urgency because one day the opportunity was going to be gone 
just shows, I've been actually thinking about this a lot in the last couple of weeks, the fact that Solomon wrote Proverbs, and Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes, and God blessed Solomon with more wisdom than anyone that's ever lived, as well as wealth and power. So, is the same person that wrote Ecclesiastes. So, every time I'm reading through the Proverbs, I'm thinking, you said this, you wrote this, and you knew this, and then you did the exact opposite. Right. So, God used the same person that delivered most of these, and some of these are not, not all of them. By showing through his own will, meaning Solomon chose to try to test it and chose to try to find, okay, let's see if this, you know, let me try to find pleasure in this and this and this and this, and then he comes back all the way around and says, yep, didn't find anything in any of that. And the fact that it's the same person that wrote both right. means God gave us that much more. It's not just he's just giving us, here's wisdom and follow this, but here's wisdom and here is the manifestation of the opposite of doing what I'm telling you in the same person, in the same lifetime. Yes. Yes, yeah, so like you said, Solomon, had, he had been there and done that. And then he's saying, whatever you're going to do, get wisdom, get insight. You don't have to wonder what that path looks like because I can tell you where it's going to lead and it is empty and destructive. Yeah, go ahead. Right. Yeah, trust in the Lord. Don't trust in your own wisdom. That's what we're, godly wisdom is what we're talking about. This is, this was not talking, we're not talking about whatever education system that ancient Israel had. This is uh, wisdom lived by life experience and gained from other people who have life experience and living life in a godly way and, and have shared this insight with us. So God is not going to be found accidentally. And don't forget and don't turn away. Um, you know, as, as, as John mentioned Solomon, you know, even Solomon had all of this wisdom, but yet later in life, um, you know, he made mistakes. So even godly people are absolutely capable of, of making foolish decisions. And that's why I say again, if you see yourself as the sun every day, just every decision and every thought in all our ways, acknowledge God and pray for his wisdom to be imparted into our, our lives and protect our steps. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. Seems to be an emphasis over and over again of what, what value do we place on wisdom? And wisdom being the word of God. We saw that back in chapter 2. Wisdom comes from the mouth of God, from the Word of God. 
what value do we, are we placing on wisdom? And, and are we going to pursue it and act on that value um, actual, tactically in our lives? And if we commit to her, she'll commit to us, place on your head a graceful garland, bestow on you a beautiful crown. Any other thoughts in that section there before we move on? Yes, sir. Backing up on uh, John's comments, you know, looking at Solomon, and what he's writing now, what, maybe, how do we get a person, or how does a person get to that point of foolishness, wisdom? I mean, what practical things could we look at in the moment of how can that person, what transforms Solomon? Right. Yeah. So practical ways of getting wisdom. Uh, we, we've certainly seen that in these first few chapters already. Um, it starts with the fear of the Lord, chapter 1, verse 7. Um, and that's the key verse for the entire book of Proverbs. We've talked about that, having that deep reverential awe for God and for who He is just because of who He is. Um, then verse 6, um, and continuing of chapter 2, I would say, wisdom begins beyond that fear of the Lord with an understanding and a reverence for the Scripture. And, and he'll continue on. He'll, this whole book is practical advice of how to become wise. And I don't know, does that answer your question? Ironic if we were living during this time and we knew Solomon. Yeah. And then he writes a letter like this, mm -hmm. stand back and say, you know, how can he say this when he was so wise but yet so foolish? Right. Mr. Reza, do you have something? Well, as far as how to help others, you know, who may be foolish become wise. asking for Jesus to sit upon the throne of our hearts. And, and chapter 2 of, of Proverbs talks about that too. Wisdom will come into our hearts and, and knowledge will be pleasant to our soul. There is a transformation that takes place from within. Uh, and chapter 4, I might not get to it this morning, but you know, we're talking about keeping your heart with all vig uh, vigilance and all diligence. And I think that's just further explaining that point. So good observations. <clears throat> Verse 10, Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life, there it is again, life, 
connected to words may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Again, instruction, which is words, the word of God, the discipline of God, his law, his commandments connected to life. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. So, don't take the first step in the path of the wicked. That's the easiest way to not get on that path is to not ever take the first step and realize that our actual life and true life is only found on the path of wisdom and in the wisdom of God. Thank you, everybody, for your comments this morning. Next week, we'll pick up here uh, about verse 13 or 14 and continue on.